0: hey guys what's up All this right. is carl and i'm back with the orthodox squad today demos finally came back from his holiday
1: so what's up what's up it's been uh only two months
0: <laughs> triumphant return and uh we've got uh brother augustine joining us today to talk about His uh, books and fascism and Freemasonry will be the topics that we go over. Uh, Brother Augustine, do you want to introduce yourself and tell the audience kind of what you do and what you like to talk about?
2: Sure. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate that. Uh, My name is Michael Witkoff. My Benedictine title is Brother Augustine. I've written a few books since becoming Orthodox. The two that most people know of are on the Masons and their lies, which is about why I left Freemasonry and why I think that Freemasonry is incompatible with Christianity and then my newest book is fascism viewed from the cross which is an overview of fascism from an orthodox Christian perspective um, I grew up Jewish I was an atheist most of my life got into drugs pick up occultism masonry all that stuff um, and then I've been baptized Orthodox for just over five years and so I'm writing this stuff to hopefully help other people um stay within certain boundaries and avoid certain errors that I have fallen into over time.
1: Quite the resume. So, uh, but yeah. um glory yeah. to God, you got you find your place home eventually. You know, I that's sure what what's all about.
2: Took a while, but yeah, glad to be here.
1: Late well, I than heard
0: then. you I heard him he mention Benedictine. What's what's that for those of us listening that have I, I don't know what it is, so could you tell us?
2: Scott. So the uh Rocor and Antioch both have Western Rite vicariates within the Orthodox Church within the United States. Um, and within the Antiochian Western Rite, there is a Benedictine monastery in Colorado called Our Lady in St. Lawrence or Lady Minster, it's also called. And it's the only Western Rite Orthodox monastery in the country and one of only two in the world. So they follow the Western Rite uh, services and the the Uh, order of prayers throughout the day. And as an oblate of St. Benedict, I am attached to that monastery. Uh, I get to go there and visit every once in a while. My wife and I try to follow the rule of St. Benedict as well we can in our lay life outside the monastery, of course, because we're not monastics. Someday we might be. Who knows? It's kind of a long-term plan. And so uh, we just work within the, the framework that that monastery puts out. They have oblates all over the country. Uh, clergy and laity alike, married and monastic alike. And uh, it's a really beautiful property up there. I think they have something like 600 acres um, out in the Colorado mountains. And so my my title within that organization is Brother Augustine. Nowadays, they don't want us using our titles in public, but I got grandfathered in since I've been doing it this whole time and nobody told me not to. So Abbot Theodore has said I can just keep doing it. And he knows if he ever wants me to stop using that title, he can just tell
1: me and I will
0: got it that was comprehensive i appreciate
1: that um could you... very interesting i didn't know this not at there's, all
2: yeah there's one other western Rite orthodox monastery in, germany, um, in and germany Abbot theodore who's the head of this program just recently got back from visiting that monastery as well
1: all right sounds yeah. cool yeah cool. all right carl but go ahead first things first i wanted to ask um
0: what does the church teach on these two topics on fascism and freemasonry are they are you can you be a fascist can you be a freemason and be an orthodox christian it's the first question
2: <laughs> i'm waiting really? for you to, there there it is i was waiting for you to get flack about pronouncing it that way
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, fascism, just a little fascism. note for the viewers <laughs> yeah. in australia they pronounce it fascist for some reason don't know no one's corrected me no one's world. corrected
0: me in my entire
1: adult fascist. life no one's ever <laughs> <laughs> it's fascist but whenever he says fascist you know it's about fascism all right go ahead
0: fascism (laughs) so brother could you tell us
2: can you be orthodox and and support these
0: ideologies
2: so let's start with the easier one to answer of can you be orthodox and a freemason and the answer is absolutely not um every every synod every jurisdiction within orthodoxy that has ever made a statement about it has explicitly said no or um, freemasonry is not not what it appears to be just this harmless philanthropic charitable brotherhood Um, it is an ideology it is a religion it is a specifically anti-christian ideology and religion so the answer is no now does that mean there are no orthodox freemasons unfortunately no it does not mean that there are orthodox Christians um, who are part of a Masonic Lodge unfortunately and part of why I do what I do is to help make them aware of it so they can understand that they they cannot serve two masters because a lot of them don't realize they're incompatible. And also I wrote it as a way for priests to understand why the parishioners in their parish should not be part of this organization. In fact, the edition of the book that is currently available was written at the behest of a priest in New York who wrote to me saying that at one point in his ministry, almost every adult man in his parish was a Freemason. And this priest knew it was wrong, but he couldn't really articulate why. He hadn't spent a lot of time on it um and so I rewrote the book to kind of become more useful to priests who are in that position we've also had patriarchs that were Freemasons um Patriarch Melitios Mil- Metaxicus the guy who started Goarch uh, was I believe a 33rd degree Mason if the stories are true okay. he didn't hide his Masonic affiliation he was featured in Masonic uh, magazines in Greece at the time and they, they should not be allowed within the structure of the hierarchy, but for one reason or another, he was able to make it to the top of the hierarchy. Um, I believe he also started the new calendar, uh, Patriarch uh, Metaxiches.
1: And so I'm, I'm sure the Greek church right now made a statement or like an official synod decision that you're, you're going to be a Freemason, right? And be part of the Greek clergy.
2: Correct. The Church yeah. of Cyprus, the Church of Greece, ROCOR have all looked at this and said, "You cannot be a Freemason um, and an Orthodox Christian." I do not believe that the OCA or Serbia or Antioch, at least in the United States, have said anything. I don't know what they've said. You know, Serbia in their own country in their own language, uh, I don't know, or in the Middle East in Arabic, I don't know. Um, um, so part- I know
3: for the Serbian Church, they uh, it's not allowed completely. They've spoken against it and uh, any other kinds of forms that are similar to that. Okay. That you're not allowed to be part of those communities and they strictly forbade any kind uh, of of meetings with them and that we should keep away from them at all costs because it's even if you don't realize it, something along those lines went to statement, even if you don't realize it, they can still harm us spiritually from far away so we have to be guarded at all times
2: well thank God I'm, I'm glad to hear that they made that statement part of my intention in writing this book was also to get official statements from the bishops from the synods from the hierarchies that have not said anything so far that has not been a successful adventure I don't know if any bishops have read the book I don't think so they certainly have not commented on it as a result of the book. A lot of clergy have the book though and if there are any clergy listening um all my books are free for clergy so just email me and ask uh by clergy i mean deacons and priests and bishops a lot of times i'll get readers or subdeacons saying hey do i count can i get a free copy I'm, let's just keep it to major clergy for that mm-hmm. um, what about uh, altar boys
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well once you're ordained a deacon the altar boys can certainly get a free uh, a free copy okay Um, then i'm I'm (laughs) unlucky yeah um as far as fascism goes it's a lot more complicated because that word means different things in different countries and different times even within the same country it has different connotations like within italy when fascism started there was no racial aspect of it at all uh in fact there were a lot of jews that were fascists in italy especially world war one veterans that were jewish Mm -hmm. um, funded fascism even some of them were black shirts that marched on rome with Mussolini over time however that changed and there were also a lot of Jewish anti-fascists in Italy but over time that changed uh, after 1938 when Hitler's racial laws the Nuremberg laws basically went into effect in Italy and other countries too they they tried the same thing in Bulgaria but the law for the defense of the nation uh, that the church viciously fought against the law for the defense of the nation in Bulgaria and actually the clergy in the Orthodox Church the Saint Synod there Uh, which universally spoke against Hitler and against fascism, is a large part of why there were no uh, Bulgarian Jews deported to concentration camps. Hitler and his cronies wanted to uh, deport the Jews from everywhere that they took over, from everywhere they occupied, to the concentration camps in Poland. And the church in Bulgaria is largely the main reason why that didn't happen, and some politicians that stood up for the Jews there. Jews still get, they did get deported from Thrace and Macedonia, which were under, German occupation but sort of given back to the Bulgarians the Bulgarians were allowed to think that those regions were returned to their country but really they were just administering it on Hitler's behalf Um, in Germany fascism was obviously based largely on race and biological uh, determinism you will find quotes from Orthodox bishops defending Hitler especially in the beginning when he was still pretending to want to defend Christianity in his public speeches And when he was seen as kind of uh, the sword of God coming to avenge the church against Bolshevism, uh, against atheism. Obviously, over time, Hitler's mask came off more and more. His his anti-Christianity was hidden less and less. I mean, he writes in Mein Kampf, even early on, he calls Christianity a spiritual terror. He says uh, it was the first spiritual terror that entered into a far freer ancient world. But at least in public, he would still give lip service to Christ, to the Lord, to God, to the Almighty. would take photo shoots of him leaving a church for example because most germans were christian right they weren't orthodox they were protestant or they were roman catholic but these were the people who support he that he's not going to go talk about how much he hates christ when he needs the support of the christian people but if you look at any of the diaries left by those close to him left by goebbels or or rosenberg or um schrader one of his secretaries Um, They all talk about how much he hated Christianity. Martin Bormann, who worked his way up to being Hitler's number two guy, said Christianity and national socialism are entirely incompatible. There's a really good book by Richard Weichart called Hitler's Religion that goes through all all of these documents, Um, and a lot of that I have in my book as well. But then in Romania, the fascist movement there was led by Orthodox Christians. It was led by Cornelio Cadrianu and then Horia Sima after him. And where they actually got the national legionary state instituted for a couple years until they were betrayed by uh, general ian antonescu and all the legionaries ended up in prison so it's much more complicated to answer what is orthodoxy's relationship with fascism given the different expressions that it took place in different in different times i think there are some ways some things that we can agree are an overlap with fascism for example monarchy one man being the leader uh there are no orthodox saints I'm aware of that have ever spoke out in support of democracy or have spoken against monarchy so if we're going to yeah yeah I've never found one so if we're in St John Kronstadt said that heaven is a a kingdom and hell is a democracy so if we're going to critique fascism you know we cannot critique it from a place of authoritarian leadership you know Michael Sisko you guys might be familiar with his review of my book on Substack said from a modernist point of view I'm critiquing fascism for all the wrong reasons right that that was uh, a good line by him um what we cannot agree with fascism on in the places where this was relevant is the racial stuff that that a man's value is based on his race and this is something Hitler explicitly said as a Vokish man I assess the value of a man based on his race obviously we have to throw that away now orthodoxy of course recognizes difference in culture and ethnicity and nationality you know no one's going to sit there and pretend that uh, um, a Swede and an Aboriginal person or have the exact same culture right we're not we're not blind to the realities of of the tribal nature of the world we live in but we cannot say there's a difference in the value of those people right someone could live in a hut in Australia or in the poorest part of Africa and not have running water you can compare that person to some billionaire from the first world The their value in the eyes of God is identical they have they're created in the image and likeness of God they can both become saints we cannot assess the person's value based on where they live or what tribe they come from, and we cannot justify, like Hitler did, wanting to steal from the quote lesser people, the lesser beings, the Untermensch, in order to give their resources to the Übermensch or the the uh, Aryans. So it's a complicated topic. That's why it took me, you know, three hundred thirty pages to just. This is really just an introduction to the topic. Really, I could have made it a two thousand page yeah. book. Could, that's a much deeper topic than the
1: Because I wanted to ask you, like, is the racial aspect the only difference that, like, is bad in fascism? Because I'm pretty sure there's a few more stuff, but it's probably in your book as well. So the,
2: there's a lot of differences. I mean, you have to be sub. a good emperor, a good king is subject to the church, right? I Ideally, know. is a lay person who himself is subject to the church. There's a really good episode from history where the emperor Theodosius... Um, kind of orders this mass reprisal, this very violent reprisal, and um, St. Ambrose of Milan uh, penances him, penances the emperor, makes him wait in the nave in his civilian clothing. He can't commune until uh, St. Ambrose is satisfied with his penance. That is not a level of humility that you see from the fascist leaders. I mean, Hitler had no authority above him whatsoever. Hadrian, who did love the church, especially at the end of his life when he was rotting in prison before they killed him, if you read his prison notes, he really starts to love Christ, and especially St. Paul and the Epistles of St. Paul, and starts to reflect on how he spent his time fighting men, when in reality, he should have spent more time in spiritual warfare. Um, Mussolini obviously did not consider himself subject to anything. He understood the importance of Catholicism for the Italian people, but you you cannot be an Orthodox leader without being subject to the church, period. The king, the king is not above the church. The king is not above the bishops. Um, throwing everyone in concentration camps to let them work until they die I don't think is a very orthodox approach to dealing with with our enemies um, and of course there's a whole whole wide range of opinions on what happened there and, and what the truth is of all that um but if you actually read through it I mean Hitler's plan was quite overtly deport all the Jews to camps and then no one, no one thought they were coming home from that you know no one thought it was going to be a summer vacation You'll have people saying no one was killed in the camps, that all the people that died there died of typhus and other diseases and starvation. I think that's a pretty immature perspective on what was going on. On the other hand, you have stories online about how they would throw Jews in a cage that had a bear and an eagle in it, and the bear would maul the Jews and the eagle would pick his bones clean. Frankly, that sounds ridiculous to me. I don't think either of those extremes is is likely uh, to be accurate. Um, I think what what is likely accurate is that they were sent there with the understanding they were never going to be coming back. Um, they were going to die there whether they were killed uh, because they were old and sick and couldn't work or because they were a political prisoner of some kind or they were just going to be worked until they died. I mean, it's kind of a difference a distinction without a difference at that point if you're sending people there to die either way in my in my opinion. and I've heard all the arguments on both sides that's just what I've arrived at at my at my current understanding, and that could maybe change as time goes on, I don't know. Um, as to how governments should be run, how a country should be run in terms of the economic system and how classes and unions should interact, the church really has not made a statement on this. You know, The church's understanding is that a country should be run to um, rein in the worst impulses of sin in the population, stop sin from running wild and ruining a country, and also For the benefit of the people right to help them thrive and succeed and have money and food but it hasn't really gone into depth dogmatizing any specific structure of corporatism or uh, free market it it really seeks to work with the existing structure orthodoxy tends to want to work with the government whatever it looks like to try and do the best job it can um, to shepherd the souls of the people that live there so we can't look at a specific economic system um, and say well, orthodoxy is completely against this mode of, of economic being now we can of course say communism and free market capitalism are both atheistic structures that are not ideal but in so, both cases the church tries to work with what they're given um, to do the best for people so,
3: mm-hmm. exactly. so what you, we can even oh. see back in the days during like ottoman times the church still worked with the ottomans mm-hmm. even after all the oppressions they were still willing to work and try yeah. to find compromises to help the faithful as best as they can it's that's, so, so that's you, why
0: that's, that's that's why you have that quote better the better the uh popes mitre the, the sultans turban than the popes mitre why because with the sultan it was working they okay you can compromise but you can never compromise the faith and with the papacy that's what the compromise had to be it had to be you compromise the faith otherwise we're not helping you with the ottomans it was more like Physical status or or money, whatever it was, it's not that they changed. They force our faith to change. That's
1: mm. that's why that was said.
0: Just clearing that out for those watching. Yeah, it's no, been exactly. thrown around so many. Well, they times.
1: did try to, you know, um, laud the Greek language because we were not allowed to speak that
3: anymore. <laughs> exactly, saying. there was no Greek schooling. Not it wasn't uh, publicly spoken yeah so it was still allowed for for the so the church basically saved the Greek language
1: so I just I just want to mention like the they were not
3: purpose. they weren't
1: Saints but um <clears throat> I want to your opinion on district distributism because I think that's a Catholic structure right Did that's the church say There's anything about that or not at all
2: so when people ask me what economic system I think is best first I'm not an economist you know I don't know mm-hmm. the ins and outs of all these systems but I tend to agree with Ivan Elin who was a Russian Orthodox political philosopher he wrote an essay called on forms of sovereignty where he makes the argument that there is no such thing as a best system because the best system is relative to the people you're talking about in the climate they live in with the geography they have with the history they have with their level of intelligence and industriousness I mean, a system that works really well in one part of the world for one group of people could be a complete disaster for another group of people in another part of the world. Um, I so I think it really depends on, on I agree. the people you're dealing with.
1: Yes. So, so do you, do you, All right. Do you know something about the fascist called Metaxas, or do you not know anything about it? I don't. I don't. Who are You they? should look him up because that was our leader in Greece during the war the Second World War and before that as well and he was Monarcho Monarcho fascist so he he supported the king but was also the leader of the country mm-hmm. and the orthodox church actually worked together with him a really? lot
2: I'm yes. gonna look into that so my book I focused on Mussolini Hitler and Kadrianu and then I've begun exploring other orthodox countries and how they responded to the to the war that's why I read this book on Bulgaria yeah um, maybe that'll be my next one what was the guy's name
1: Metaxas, you know the the Greek wine called Metaxa yeah yeah just add an S <laughs> oh,
2: okay I think that's what we so, use for communion in my church
1: if I'm not mistaken <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Metaxas? Up, yes Metaxas Ioannis Metaxas yeah, yeah. so okay we say Metaxas but you know because <laughs> he, he was the fourth of August regime and uh, their official religion was the Greek Orthodox Church and they worked together a lot so we should definitely look into that and he was definitely okay. fascist
2: <laughs> I will yeah maybe in a future edition of the book I mean I'm gonna have to take a break from writing for a while because my life's getting very busy but in a future edition of the book I want to include more countries um maybe make it a five six hundred page book um going through all the countries that were orthodox and see how they responded because I think they all responded a little bit differently that's why it's hard to say what is our mm-hmm. position towards fascism I mean you're telling me that in in Greece the fascists supported the church and vice versa in Bulgaria the church was very against fascism so it really depends I think what fascism looks like in that country and what the what the clergy were like there
1: agreed agreed very much Mm -hmm. um I saw that your
0: I saw that your book got uh taken down the one on the Freemasons uh and you were you know remaking the cover because of that um do you know why that was
2: yeah. So the books had the same cover since it was published in May of 2018. And now when I try to advertise it on Amazon, they said it's too violent, but they never cared before. So that pic, that painting of St. Michael the Archangel holding a sword over Satan, even though it's, an, it's a cartoon, like it's a drawing, they say it's too violent because it shows a character wielding a weapon against another character. So I don't know if this is a new rule they put into place or what, um, but I just had the cover redesigned so that I can advertise the book again basically. They still let me sell the book on Amazon, I just can't advertise it, which makes no sense to me. Excuse oh, me. That's weird. It is weird. I mean they they take a big cut of my book sales no matter what. The more I advertise and sell the more money Amazon makes. You'd think they would want me to ad, to advertise. And they're saying your book is, you know, the cover is too inappropriate to advertise but not too inappropriate to sell. That makes no sense to me but I have no, I have no say over that. So I'm just going with the right. Exactly. Yeah. Especially maybe maybe it's a Freemason more... guy that, that's just like, <laughs> nah. well, if the new cover, if they kick back the new cover and say that that's not appropriate to sell, then I'll know something weird is going
1: on because yeah. the new cover has no violence on it at all. So, so when's that coming out?
2: So I just ordered a proof copy for myself of the new cover. Cause I want to have a look at what it looks like before I publish yeah. it. That should be here in a couple weeks. They take forever to get proof copies to you, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully within a couple of weeks I'll have a new cover. I've also asked Father Turbo Qualls if he has time to give me feedback on the book itself because he wanted a copy of the book because mm-hmm. I I would like to do a new edition in coordination with the new cover. They might not happen at the same time, but um, I'd love his feedback if he gets a chance to read it. hand to Father Turbo, if you're watching this. <laughs>
1: Well, he might be. be he was on this show before so <laughs> okay
2: well maybe maybe he's listening I know he's a very busy guy but uh, oh. I really I really trust his discernment so if he has feedback for me I'll, I'll throw it into the next edition all right he actually has both of these books
0: do bogger What's... mills have uh, just jump straight into this do Bogomils and Manichaeans because these are all Gnostic things like are the Freemasons yeah. linked to any of these older church uh, groups that kind of infiltrate the church from within because that's what Freemasonry does it usually Illuminati members yes members can be part of both things at the same time so are is there any link that you talked about in your book or that you're aware of
2: it really depends what mason you ask I mean the story they tell you is that the masons were a stone stone masons guild that has existed since time immemorial and they're the lineage of those who built Solomon's temple and blah 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 The spiritual lineage is Kabbalah, so there are aspects of Gnosticism in it, obviously, as is a Gnostic religion, Freemasonry is. Um, Albert Pike, in his book on Morals and Dogma, which is kind of the big Bible of the Scottish Rite, for lack of a better phrase, even though they will often deny that he has any influence when they're trying to get away from him, he, I think, does talk about the Bogomils and the Cathars and other ancient Gnostic groups, the Valentinians, the uh, Basilidians, He mentions these guys. He even mentions Arius as an example of someone who really, really understood what Christianity was truly about. Um, So Pike was certainly well-versed in Gnosticism and Gnostic movements. um, But as to the actual ideology of Freemasonry, I would say it's Kabbalah, which is not quite what those Gnostics believed in. It's closer to Platonism. It's it's basically Plato with a yarmulke is how I've described it in the past. It's a Jewish version of Platonism. um, And that, that really is the underlying philosophy of the fraternity though most Masons don't know that but it's because they're not paying attention
0: so is it orga- organized Lucifer is it organized Satanism is Freemasonry organized Satanism because you hear so many conspiracies you're lagging.
1: Starts... am
0: I lagging for you brother
3: Paul, you're lagging.
1: a little bit uh, yeah so bit. I, I think you got the question though <laughs> yeah
2: I would call it organized Luciferianism and I would just draw a distinction between Luciferianism and Satanism As saying, Luciferianism seeks to exalt man as God, and Satanism is actually a worship of Satan. Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, different Luciferians and Satanists will disagree with that. That's just how I kind of frame it to myself. Um, Because Satanists will also say that they are atheists seeking to just exalt themselves. But some of them are theistic Satanists, the ones that believe in the devil as a being and worship that being. I don't think most Freemasons do that. I think they just seek to do what all the ancient Gnostics did of elevate themselves into the rank of gods by freeing their souls from this uh, prison of matter. But there's a lot of guys there that are just like Protestants too. Um, they they don't impose a, a, an ideology on you, but that doesn't mean that there isn't one there. And I've never met a 33rd degree Mason that I would say is a Dogmatic Christian or a doctrinal Christian. They might call themselves that, but they don't mean by that word what we would mean by that word. I,
1: f- I feel like a lot of Catholics are for some reason. There are Catholics in
2: Masonry, and they're not supposed to be there either. I initiated one as an entered apprentice when I was a Mason, a guy who was part of the uh Knights of Columbus, but they're not supposed to be there.
1: Okay. Either. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what's a common
0: conspiracy theory? What what do people usually say about the Masons that is just bunk? straight off the bat because people say all sorts of things about them well, the
2: checkered floor no that's real the, that's the real. checkered floor is real yeah they, they like that kind of black and white dualistic mm-hmm. imagery uh they're a big fan of that sort of thing um people say the Masons run everything I don't think the organization runs anything but I think they've seeded their ideology into the culture to such a degree that the fraternity itself almost isn't relevant um, in terms of trying to influence things is my opinion, because I think their ideas are just mainstream now. That said, I do think that the fraternity is kind of like a feeder system for the elite in terms of they're looking for people that are going to go places. You know, they're looking for people that are going to be successful in politics or in business. And what circles you get brought into once you're a Mason depends on what they think you have the potential for. So there's a lot of things in Masonry that most Masons don't know are there because they've never gotten that tap on the shoulder and said, hey, come check this out. We so, think you'd, you'd be a good fit for
1: this. All right. Um, also, anyway, listen. You know what's ironic? They called us Freemason before, but I came to realize <laughs> that we don't know anything. So, um, you know how we have on the background, like we have the the pillars on the sides, and like in our intro, we. Like you saw a sound wall like like you know soundproof wall and stuff and and it looked like checkers so a, a dude thought we were part of the freemasons but yeah. um it i just thought it looked cool all over
3: facebook
1: yeah yeah because the- <laughs> <laughs> i thought it just looked cool because it was two greek pillars so i thought oh that's cool but anyways i want to get more into the to the secrets of the freemasons like I know the elite are part of it. Like most people that are part of it have a lot of money, or is that not true?
2: Um, no, I wouldn't say that's true. No, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of money. You know, I see. Uh, it probably depends how old someone is too. Like obviously, if you're in your sixties or seventies or eighties, you're gonna have more money. If if you've you know lived intelligently for the most part, then you will. If you're twenty or thirty, but um, no, I don't think most of the people there were wealthy. Oh. At least the, so, that I saw. So the elite, basically,
0: like, is independent of the Freemasons, or does it work through it in some way? That's
2: I. I think a lot of the elites are part of groups like the Masons or Skull and Bones, but it's not like everyone there is part of the elite. Absolutely not. It's kind of like I, what I was saying. It's a feeder system or a screening screening system. Like if if you are on a certain path, they'll probably groom you down that path, but otherwise, you're just there to pay dues and you know fill seats and. Beyond the membership roles
1: all right is there like a single leader of the Freemasons like like a world leader
2: yeah his name is Satan uh (laughs) in in terms of human leadership they say they're Pope they say no I don't know if that's true what they tell you is that every at least in the United States every state has its own Grand Lodge that is autonomous it's kind of like autocephalous Orthodox Churches. Yeah. They say there's no one in charge of all this. I don't know if that's true, or if at some point you get welcomed into the circle where they tell you, yeah, we were just kidding about that. Here's what's really going on. Um, so I can't I can't give a, a an accurate answer to that. And Is in it some they... some countries, it's not divided by state. Some yeah. countries the the royal uh members of the royal family are all in charge of the lodge officially, but at least in our country they say that's not the case.
3: I see. Mm-hmm. And it, you mentioned earlier there is like a grade system. So what mm-hmm. was the highest grade you were aware of? Thirty
2: third in the Scottish Rite, Knight mm-hmm. Templar in the York Rite, um, and then oh, I was part of a group that's not public that I got t- the shoulder tap to go into an occult group within Masonry, and there were seven grades in that group. I don't remember what the top grade was called, philosophus or philosophicus. I don't know, those all named after different like grades of magic and magicians and stuff. I don't remember what the top grade of that was called, though, because I, I was only there, I think I only got to the third grade of that or something. I wasn't part of the group for very long before I ended up leaving masonry. Um, but I, I was a 32nd degree in the Scottish Rite, and a I was in the commandery of the Knights Templar in the York Rite, but I was not an officer in the York Rite. I was an officer in the Scottish Rite sort of if you want to call you want to call it an officer I was an actor for one of the degrees and then I read the script I was a prompter for one of the degrees where basically I had a microphone with the script of the degree in front of me and if one of the actors or one of the guys conferring the degree or doing the ritual forgot his lines I would say it into the microphone he would hear it in his ear so maybe that doesn't really count as an officer I was an officer in the Blue Lodge which is the first three degrees um what was I when when I left I I was I was either the senior steward or the chaplain or the marshal it's been a long time since I've since I've thought about this stuff I was either senior steward and I was acting as the marshal and chaplain in the degrees I don't remember if I was officially the marshal or chaplain I think I was officially still the senior steward at that point because you kind of start doing the task above you before you get to it and then I was uh, an officer in the Royal Arch and in the cryptic Council which are the grades or with the the groups below the Commandery of Knights Templar in the York Rite and then I was an officer in uh, what we called Allied Masonic degrees which was a very informal group where you just kind of give lectures to the other guys and hang out and it that's too much to do
1: that's Game of Thrones levels of titles right there <laughs> oh yeah oh there's
2: <laughs> new, new titles and jewels and offices as many as your heart can desire
3: that
1: you all remember that i I would never
3: i would never i'm I'm no more confused than before
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's how they get in my
3: head uh, it's a part of five different groups (laughs) there
2: there are so many different groups within it they all have their own ritual system their own titles their own officers i mean what most people think of as masonry is probably just the main three degrees android apprentice fellow craft and master mason that's the blue lodge that's the main part of masonry so they say and the other groups are all appendant bodies or things that are optional that you can join if you want once you're a master
1: mason so is is it dangerous for you to talk about this at all
2: I don't I don't know I mean it could be um I thought they were really going to go after me turned out some of them didn't even know I left I had one of them call me a couple of years ago to help him with some political thing he was doing yeah he, he didn't he didn't realize I'd left um I think guys come and go all the time and they don't really care that much, but being out here speaking against it, I'm sure there is some level of danger involved. I don't know what it is. I don't think I'm influential enough. You know, you're not going to see me on TV anytime soon talking about it. Um, yes. I am. I'm not allowed. Like I'm not going to be on the daily wire. You know, as soon as I start talking about Jews and masonry, I'm not going to be on some mainstream conservative thing. Um, yeah, so yeah. It's not like my influence is large in their eyes, but I, I don't know. I hope not. Please keep me in your prayers that I'll be protected from of course. any kind yes. of retribution they might be planning
1: so I wonder about the rituals I, I I'm pretty sure they do rituals right so oh yeah yeah does it involve very gory stuff or is it yes. very innocent no it it's does. very good.
2: the penalties for each degree uh where you say the penalty for if you violate the oath is extremely gruesome um oh. it, it always involves Either your tongue being ripped out or your yes. uh, or your uh, stomach being cut open or your head being cracked open so the sun can fry your brains. It's what? all really gruesome stuff. Like Every degree has a, a penalty like that. And in the Mormon world, their, what they call their endowment ceremony, which is the main ritual of, of Mormonism, since it's mostly just the Masonic ritual with some extra trappings, they used to include these penalties in Mormonism, but they've sanitized it and taken them out. They still have the Masonic square and compass on their temple garments. The Mormons, they have their their underwear that they wear, the white underwear still has Masonic yeah. imagery on it, but they no longer have the penalties.
1: Uh, so involved. were you aware of these things actually happened?
2: I have not been made aware of it actually happening. There was a case in the 1800s, a guy named Captain William Morgan, who revealed the secrets of masonry and was never seen from never seen or heard from again
1: no one was really that the guy that. from the room?
2: a different Captain Morgan
1: different <laughs> <Okay>. Captain <laughs> Morgan. Um,
2: and Jack Jack the Ripper and his story there's a lot of Masonic phraseology and imagery um there was a Johnny Depp movie called from hell that really mm. is more overt about the Masonic connections um, but I've never heard of a person actually suffering these tortures I don't know if it's just symbolic I don't know if they really do it or they used to do it and they don't anymore I, I really don't know I really hope not
3: but nothing
1: like nothing sexual or you no, know no 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 with children or anything no. like gruesome no. like that right. nothing
2: that I ever saw no I've heard those rumors that to join the Masons you have to like kill a family member or sacrifice a child. that's all nonsense that's not yeah
1: real. I guess no. it is
2: so I don't know what they do in the 33rd degree but I can't imagine that they would require that for yeah because I know I know thirty third degree Masons none of them have done something like that to my knowledge
1: at least they haven't told you but <laughs> at least they haven't told me that's right yeah. i have a
2: hard time believing those guys would do something like that all right and how, how
0: do you so, that? how do you kind of go but it's more
1: than just the glorified
2: so hold on so i'm getting two questions here
1: yeah yeah go ahead carl
2: so what was what was your question how do, you about go the ranks? The how, how do you works.
0: work up the ranks yeah you said you got to the 32nd level and you weren't there for that
2: long right so so the Scottish right sorry you want to finish your question because I think I get what you're saying so in the in the southern jurisdiction of the United States which is what I was part of because I was uh in the southern jurisdiction in the Scottish right you get your 32nd degree on the first day that is not the case in Europe and it was not always the case in America so in the United States, you only see five degrees. you see, I'm gonna probably butcher this. I'm trying to remember. you see the fourth degree, I think the fourteenth, no, yeah, either the fourteenth or the 18th, and then the 25th and then the 30, 30th and the thirty second. I think those were the five they show you. I have seen all of them except for one because I went to Guthrie, Oklahoma once upon a time for this three day event where you see all of the rituals in the Scottish Rite. They do that I think twice a year. But in the in the normal lodge, you work your way up from, in the first three degrees, you have to memorize, you have to learn how to decipher this, these coded passages. They have this little book they give you with a cipher. So the, the oath of the degree is written there in code, in symbols. And you have to work with a mentor to memorize it, understand what the symbols mean. And then you basically repeat that in front of everyone. And if you do a pretty good job, they say, okay, you're proficient in whatever degree, you can go on to the next one. Um, other than that, just service to the lodge, You know if you're on the officer line it rotates every year you go a step up the officer line every year or if someone drops out you go up faster um that's how i became senior steward i was what's called the tyler um and then i became the junior steward because the junior steward dropped out or someone dropped out in the line and then i got officially put in place as the senior steward and then i think i was doing marshal and chaplain during some degrees but that's when i left if i remember right i believe that was correct um, but typically just time and effort is the short answer of how you progress up the ranks. As for 33rd degree, you cannot ask to be part of it or you will never get it. It has to be something they offer you. So they they're very careful about who gets it. You, I think you have to have been there for a long time in most cases. Manly P. Hall was given an honorary 33rd degree, um, but it's like a way that fraternity honors you and reward for your lifetime commitment to masonry is they'll give you the 33rd degree. And I think you can only get that in Washington, D.C., in the Masonic Temple there, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. That's where Albert Pike's body is, and you have to be flown out there by the Scottish Rite to get that degree. The other ones, you don't need to go to D.C. to do. Thank you.
1: Dear Lord. Must,
0: what were you yeah. going to say? You were going to ask something, but I interrupted you.
1: Who, me? Yeah. No, there's I only, said there's Lord a, there's Lord only one Demos. This said is all... <laughs> it sounds very like yeah satanic but um so it's definitely more than just a glorified boys club yes yeah Yeah.
2: i mean i i was involved in four different groups i was there all the time multiple times a week you know if i was dating a girl i would bring her there i would have friends come to watch um the ceremony where i became senior steward because that was open to the public um a lot of it was boring meetings to be totally honest with you the rituals I enjoyed but the stated meeting the monthly business meeting was a total waste of time I but that's a bigger statement about meetings I personally never been to a meeting that could not have been sent to me as an email so I'm just very anti-meeting in general I found them very boring where you just go over (laughs) the minutes of the last month's meeting oh at at x o'clock so and so did this I don't I don't care why are we even talking about it um but I had a good time there like I I really did I liked the guys there for the most part it taught me a lot about responsibility, and it, gave, it introduced a love of ritual to me that I can now have fulfilled in orthodoxy. You know, masonry is liturgical. There are deacons. Every every degree is scripted. It's the same words in the same order every time. Um, so there's something about liturgy that I think resonates with the human soul, and that was my introduction to it. Of course, growing up Jewish, that's liturgical as well in the synagogue. But I had so completely rejected my my spiritual upbringing that I hadn't been to one of those in probably since my bar mitzvah, since I was 13 years old. Um, So it was kind of a, uh, it showed me that there's, there's something here. I like the hierarchy. You know, I like that there's a master of the lodge. That's kind of the master of ceremonies and everyone serves at his whim, his pleasure, which now is fulfilled in orthodoxy. The bishop is the monarch, right? And the priest is a smaller monarch of the parish. So there was a lot about masonry that I liked that has transferred to my love of orthodoxy. Um, in fact the first time i heard anything from the new testament was in masonry because they repeat uh lines from the scripture during the perambulation where the candidates walking around the altar in circles the chaplain is speaking scripture Um, so it got me interested and you know that sort of thing there's pictures of saint john the evangelist on the wall saint john the evangelist saint john the baptist the saint the holy saints john as masonry calls them so there's a lot of biblical imagery there that i've been able to follow up on now that i'm a Christian but they're they're all distorting these things for their own for their own purpose Pretty like it's insane. not leading you to christ it yeah does not lead a man to christ
1: well let like you eventually
2: well yeah but accidentally it wasn't their plan
0: by, oh, leaving,
1: yeah, plan. by leaving by leaving by leaving plans. of course exactly yeah. but was there a lot of personal rivalry this is these questions are all, all like my own interest out of my own tr- interest no, like totally. was there a lot of personal rivalry and all kinds of stuff like that in the lodges
2: I, I only had a, a rivalry with one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I got along with everybody. And that guy was a weirdo, man. There was some stuff. On. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't say more.
1: I guess I guess there's always this one weirdo everywhere, right?
2: So. I mean, any anytime you get a bunch of guys in an organization where there's titles and offices, there's going to be some degree of politics, right? That's just part of it. There was rivalry. So when I was in Masonry, there was this group of Filipino Masons they're kind of like a schismatic group we would consider them a schismatic group sure. that was kind of like a criminal organization frankly and they were sort of um infiltrating the lodges and taking over the officer positions to such a degree that the grand uh, um, oh, what's the guy called not the Grand Mason the Grand Master of the uh, California lodges I believe it was Mel Stein at the time uh he had to write a letter to all the lodges in California saying do not associate with this group of people they are not real masons. They are schismatics, for lack of a better phrase. Um, if you know that someone joining is part of it, don't let them in, because they would come in in a big group and take over a whole lodge. So there was some like inter-organizational rivalry, um, more than I would say interpersonal rivalry, at least from what I experienced. But I try to get along with people. You know, I'm I'm cool with everyone until they're not cool with me, and and not everyone is like that. Some people just want to go compete with others, and I like competing with people, but in like a friendly way. So i only had that one issue because that guy and he he was like mean to me first so it's not like i did something wrong by him
3: um i have another question why what's the reasoning why so many people are joining the freemasons and what what do they give the people that they are staying there
2: i think it's just interesting curiosity you know there's a lot of philosophical content to it if you're into the occult there's just an endless amount of stuff you can learn there about the Zohar or the Kabbalah. Um, it's kind of like a beginner's occult school is what I would call it. Like it, So there are some groups within masonry that actually do ceremonial magic, and of course that's what the rituals are. They're ceremonial magic, but they're disguised as something else except for in certain groups. So if you're into the occult, there's a lot of content there that guys that are not occultists don't understand they're a part of. you know, Masonry, I think the institution kind of gets a kick out of showing people something they don't understand and telling them it's about something else. In fact, Albert Pike in Morals and Dogma explicitly says this. He says, "We mislead candidates who deserve only to be misled, making them think they understand the symbols whose true meaning is reserved only for the elect, right? Only for the wise or the occultists, the adepts." Pike is open about this. And and it's funny because the people who don't get it will be the first ones to tell you that Pike has no authority in masonry. He's just one guy Just sharing his opinion they're exactly the people pike was talking about the people that don't get it um so i think there's that aspect for occultists there's also networking for people that are in business or politics of course um there's a brother there is brotherhood to it so for example i went to vegas once upon a time back when i was in the masons and i was just in the pool at the hotel and another guy in the pool said something that made me think maybe he's a mason so I asked him the question that you use to identify a Mason. You say, are you a traveling man? And if they say from West to East, they're saying, yes, I am also a Freemason. So he gave that answer. I knew he was a Mason. We started talking about Masonry. And then he took me out for lunch and bought me this great steak. And he was like my, my buddy for the week that I was at the at this hotel. You know, he was an a, a established guy, he gave me business advice and whatnot. So there is that aspect where wherever you go in the world, you're going to find someone who's part of your brotherhood right? Of course, we as Orthodox Christians have that, but most people don't have anything like that. So, there, there are things that are appealing about masonry <laughs> and its structure. They give a lot of charity. That's appealing. Of course, most of the charity is to other masons. Um, the idea there is that they'll take care of you if you get sick or something, take care of your family. So, there, there is, there is incentives to join. And of course, it's cool, right, to have the titles and the jewels and I'm an officer and whatnot. There's power there. So anytime you have something like that, there's going to be a draw, right? For 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 man, there's going to be a draw to that power, to that brotherhood. Um, so I think that's that was that's a big
3: part of it too. But uh, when you're speaking of power, what kind of power do those ranks even give? Are there just like more the like sta- status symbols, like in yeah. the okay?
2: Yeah, power over you know who who mm-hmm. might get to be elevated as an officer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of inner politicking like that. Like you get to influence how far someone could go um so it's not like real power like outside yep. of the lodge at least it wasn't but for me basically
3: you could go to the lower rank, say, hey, fetch me uh water or something like that
2: I mean yeah in in theory you could um, mm-hmm. you would you would serve whatever the guys above you needed um like when I was the steward I would have to go do the grocery shopping for the lodge and then like bring the food there and everything and uh, of course they paid me back for it but that was part of my duties so yeah I was the, the chore the chore guy um, just like at work you know when i was at, when i was brand new at work i work in the trades you know i was the guy hey run to the truck and get me something so it was kind of kind of like that i was the run to the truck and get me something guy go get the drill go get the whole saw. go get whatever um you get the bad jobs the lower you are on the hierarchy
0: so is there a link because we've talked about fascism and we have talked about Freemasonry. is there a link between the
2: two um, in any way would you
0: i
1: think forget? that's a good last question yeah that's Demos's
2: way of saying let's wrap this up I got places to be
1: <laughs> no 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 it's just we try to do it around an hour oh gotcha gotcha okay
2: yeah. um I have not come across any explicit connection because Masons in different countries have supported different political systems um the Masons and the Enlightenment supported the French Revolution there were also Masons oh. that were monarchists that supported the conservative regime in different countries in England obviously um, the, i think it's the the prince is the highest ranking mason i don't quote me on that but i think that's correct just by virtue of being nobility he's the highest ranking mason he's obviously going to side with with the royalist party so to speak and he's not going to side with the anti-monarchists uh that are out there prince harry might because he's become completely americanized and you know married that american actress but i don't think prince charles um, would side with an anti-monarchy anti-nobility anti-royalty party So you can't really say masonry has a political ideology because it it changes it's whatever serves the agenda best in any given time and place if that makes sense you know in in germany in germany hitler totally suppressed the the freemasons He was very against it Uh, most of the fascists that i've looked at have been against masonry but i'm sure there were some masons that supported fascism too Uh, the ones that were against communism the most would probably have supported the fascists because that's the choice that came down to in a lot of these places, right? It's like, well, if you're you're either with the communists or you're against them, and if you're against them, you're probably a a fascist. Of course, in Germany, they had um, other circles that were against communists that were not fascists, the conservative revolution circle, but they were not the ones that won, right? It was the fascists that got control of the country, and at that point, it was a it was a choice: you're either with the fascists or you're with the communists.
1: Mm-hmm. So to conclude. You cannot be Orthodox and a fascist. I mean it's possible, but I think um, I
2: think it would really depend on what
1: what sort of fascism you're talking yeah. about. Because fascism is not like black and white like Freemasonry, basically.
2: Right. I think no. you, you I don't think you can be orthodox and a national socialist, because yes. that's a specifically biological ideology, a racial definitely. ideology.
0: Definitely definitely. Well, you know, with the um, way the world's going,
2: maybe one day
0: you'll be able to change your race and join.
2: yeah that's, you can identify as whatever you want that's true <laughs> but you know we have Saints that came out of the legionary movement in Romania guys that were part of the Iron Guard they were fascists um Saint Valerio Gafanku who is not formally canonized but it doesn't matter because he's a Saint uh there's a great book called The Saint of the prisons by Monk Moisey that Father Turbo uh, recommended to me actually it's one of my favorite orthodox books The Saint of the Prisons Father George Calciu came out of that movement father Roman Braga came out of that movement some people consider Kadrianu a saint um, I'll leave I'll leave that up to God I don't know uh, he certainly tried to pre- to protect the church and do good things for the church and a lot of people in the church supported him you know up to 25 percent of clergy in Romania supported the iron guard movement so that's why I think we have to be careful when we say can you be orthodox and a fascist yeah it yeah. really depends
0: I think anyway it's, uh, it's funny because demos and Milos are just having an, a bit of a discussion about Codriano before the, the podcast anyways so mm. yeah. yeah yes
2: he's an interesting guy
1: an so interesting. it's was, very interesting and very controversial
3: a, yeah. yeah so uh, I had uh, a lot about, uh, about him to say because uh, he did a lot of things I didn't like
2: yeah
3: and I, I'd be completely blunt I really dislike the guy okay.
2: <laughs> a lot of people do a lot of people <laughs> yeah do. Uh, because oh. of uh,
3: some of the things he did in his early life as well I mean, it's a lot of the bad habits he had started in his early life, like in the university, mm-hmm. with the story where he very, uh, started the movement, and went around beating up uh, other students who were Jewish or of Romani descent, and there were like so many things in inco- in, incompatible with orthodoxy, so I always have like a bitter taste when, when somebody sees him like as a, as a saint but i think it's well, also you know, the church if you
2: if you read his notes from prison i think it'll show you a different more mature mm. more christian side of him yeah, once he, he understood was... he was never going to leave and his family was in other prisons and his mom was at home alone the police bug bugging her mm. yeah i think his heart really softened from being yeah. um, in prison and i think a big part was.
3: probably was also of that uh, isolation in his prison cell yeah then yeah. going more into himself and more searching for god that totally. made him more see the light in the end
2: i totally agree i totally agree I, anyway I think
3: from an unbiased perspective i don't know anything
0: about the god but if you look at saint moses the black's history before he became a christian or you look at saint augustine's history you have to it might be incompatible with christ at the start people change throughout their lifetime that's the thing about us as people so i i, I think i want to read more about him now to be honest with you just to find you can out. start but...
1: with the book Fascism view from the cross.
2: Now available and, on Amazon. Thank
0: and you. we has got another book, uh, the Freemason book. What was the title of
2: that one? That one is called On the Masons and Their Lies.
1: Like so we'll On link- the Jews and Their Lies by Martin Luther, but then the Freemason verse version.
2: I may or may not have stolen
1: the title from it. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. yeah We'll so- link both of the books down
0: below. Um, otherwise, uh, is there any book recommendations that you recommend on the topic other than those two that you kind of drew inspiration from? And any last
2: things you want to say? On that particular topic, no. But for a, your American audience, I will shill a book called *Glorified in America* that just came out about Saint Alexis Toth and Saint Ticon and oh, Saint Innocent and Saint it. Herman. It is a phenomenal book. It's like it's like *Lives of the American Saints*. This book, glorified in America it is really edifying it will teach you the history of your faith in your own country and even though I I didn't write it and it has nothing to do with these topics I highly recommend everyone pick up a copy of glorified in America
1: it was it was needed to be honest something yeah. like that um totally. thank you very much Michael aka brother Augustine for being here we really appreciate it um we've seen each other for a long time on Twitter how we see each other on the podcast maybe real life one day who knows uh Hopefully. on a conference or something but um yeah thank you very much i think the other guys appreciate it too right guys good. Thank, you. Yeah. To... Thank, you, thank you thank you for coming on yeah say <laughs> thank you milosh
3: thank you is undecided
0: as to whether this was a good interview
2: or not. No, no, <laughs> i think he's just
1: tired because it's like twelve thirty for us but um uh thank you oh. very much and of course um, for the what just for the viewers thank you for the viewers don't become a freemason uh, stay free. with Good god message. god bless <laughs> and uh say hi to carl and twitter goodbye thanks guys <laughs>